Welcome and thanks for listening to the Community Christian Church Podcast. To learn more about Community Christian Church, visit us online at cccsterling.org. Today's message comes from Pastor Chris Rhea. Good morning, everyone. I got to be honest, coming up here today is a little different for me than normal. Usually I like to get up here and maybe tell a funny story or or get into the subject matter, but with everything happening in the Middle East, my heart has just been heavy this week. It's been heavy. I'm mourning. I'm grieving. I know like many of you, you've been having a hard time with this as well. What's our response? What are, what are we supposed to do? What's, what does this mean for the world? What is happening right now? And so I wanted to take a few minutes and address what's been happening and kind of talk about maybe what our response to it could be. As you probably already know, on Saturday, October 7th, on the 50th anniversary of Yom Kippur War, a terrorist organization by the name of Hamas launched a surprise attack on Israel. They fired missiles into deadly populated, densely populated areas. They opened fire on hundreds of innocent people, and they've taken um, infants, women, children, elderly hostage, and used them as shields to protect themselves. And it's heavy. It's very heavy um, to think about that kind of level of injustice and Just so you know, we can trace this dissension between Israel and the surrounding nations all the way back to Genesis. And I want to talk a little bit about this. And the goal of this message is not to get into all the biblical prophetic prophecy of everything happening. There's a time for that. But right now, I'm still kind of emotional and grieving. And I think we'd be doing a disservice to people if we just kind of intellectually dissected this and didn't really mourn and take a few moments to pray and believe God for something supernatural to happen over there. But what happened back in Genesis is God promised Abraham and Sarah a child in their own old age. They were post 75 years old when God made this promise to them. And years went by, and years went by. And this promise was that God was going to make Abraham and Sarah the father of many many nations. The nation of Israel, many nations. But as the years went on, Abraham and Sarah began to doubt that God was going to come through on this promise. I mean, they're getting to 90 years old. And this promise hasn't been fulfilled yet. And so Sarah gets the idea, well, maybe I've got to move the hand of God. Maybe God wants me to intervene. Maybe I'm supposed to get involved. So she gives her servant, Hagar, to her husband for one night and says, you guys try to conceive a child. And it works. They conceive a child. And that child's name was Ishmael. And here's what the Bible says in Genesis 16, 11 through 12. 
The angel of the Lord also said to her, you are now talking to Hagar, you are now pregnant and you will give birth to a son. You shall name him Ishmael, for the Lord has heard of your misery. This is what the angel said, not me. He will be a wild donkey of a man. His hand will be against everyone and everyone's hand against him. And he will live in hostility towards all his brothers. So Ishmael's born. He gets to be about 13. And the Lord appears once again to Abraham and Sarah. And he says, that wasn't what I was intending to do. I was going to give you, Sarah, a baby. And so this is what Genesis, it says in Genesis 17, 19 through 21. Your wife, Sarah, will bear you a son, and you will call him Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his descendants after him. And as for Ishmael, I have heard you. I will surely bless him. I will make him fruitful and will greatly increase his numbers. He will be the father of 12 rulers, and I will make them into a great nation. But my covenant... I will establish with Isaac, whom Sarah will bear to you by this time next year. You have Isaac and you have Ishmael, both from Abraham being their father, but two different mothers. And from there, they separate. And this begins turmoil for the last 4,000 years between these two brothers and these two nations. Uh, many nations, not two, many are at war. And I could get into w- w- the 12 nations of Ishmael and all the tribes. But like I said, there might be a season for that. My, my goal here is to kind of give you some insight into why this is happening and still happening after 4,000 4, years. But what gets me the most what's bothering me the most is the heart of humanity right now. The evil and the injustice that's happening in our world. That's what's bothering me the most. As we meet comfortably right here, right now, there are people fighting for their lives. There are kids, children, women, elderly, who are being abused and victimized, paraded around. And it bothers me. And so I'm mourning a little bit of that today. And I think we need to feel that a little bit. Ecclesiastes says there's a time to mourn. There's a time to be heavy hearted. And I'm not going to be a downer like this, the whole message, don't worry. But I think we need to feel this a little bit. So I was asking the Lord, what do we do? What's our response? What's okay right now? And I got these four phrases, and I'm not saying they were from the Lord, but these things came to my mind. And the first one, that it's okay to fight injustice. It's okay to be angry about this. In fact, in Psalm 82, 3 through 4, the psalmist gives us this imagery 
of God presiding over a group of people. He's presiding over kingdoms and thrones. And this is what he said to the leaders. Defend the weak and the fatherless. Uphold the cause of the poor and the oppressed. Rescue the weak and the needy. Deliver them from the hand of the wicked. It's okay for us to want to get involved to stop violence, to stop injustice, to stop trafficking, to stop things like this that are going on. And I would actually say God wants us to use us to do that. So it's okay if you're like me right now and you're like, I want to go over there. I want to protect. I want to, I want to figure this out. It's okay to have that kind of mindset. And we got also, I felt like, was saying pray for peace, just like Phil just did during our worship set. Without him getting involved, there will be no long-standing peace. In fact, if you believe in biblical pro- uh, prophecy, only Jesus can bring peace. He's the only one who can bring peace to that situation. And we can pray for that. In fact, I've seen a lot of things online where you can actually go on and see the names of the people who have been kidnapped from their hometown in Israel. And you can take one of their names and people are writing them on their hand and they're praying for that victim every single day that God would protect them, that God would deliver them. We should get involved and pray for peace. And I don't think, the next thing is, we should not fear this. Do not be afraid. That, that kept coming to me. I think right now with chaos in the world, and you think about, man, is this World War III happening right in front of us? Is this the end times? Is this biblical prophecy being played out right in front of our face? It's easy to be afraid. What does this mean? What does this mean for the world? What does this mean for my future? What does this mean for my family? How is this going to affect us here? And it's easy to fear and want to escape out of here. But we don't need to be afraid because God is in control. Do we still believe that? We believe that God has this plan, right? God has a plan in all of this. He's at work. He's in control. And so whenever I'm feeling fearful or anxious or stressed or worried, there's a scripture I always go to found in Psalms 16, 8, and 9. It says this, I keep my eyes always on the Lord. With him at my right hand, I will not be shaken Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices and my body also will rest secure. When we keep our eyes on the Lord, it's so easy in times like this to watch every YouTube video or go online and read every news article and our eyes go from being on the Lord to going right here and we're looking and it's creating fear and panic and worry and stress. But God says, keep, keep your eyes on me. And when we keep our eyes on him, we will not be shaken. Our tongue can still rejoice in this season and our bodies can rest secure. So those are the first three things that I, I felt like a good response on our part would be 
But the last one is what I want to spend the majority of time on, and that's talking about our heart. In fact, the heart of humankind and our response and making sure our heart stays right in all of this. When Jesus came onto the scene, he came as a savior for the world. And up until this point in time, everything was about rules, laws, following commandments, doing these kinds of things. But Jesus came on the scene and what he said is, I am now even more concerned about your heart than your behavior because what's in your heart will eventually come out. And he started challenging people to look at their hearts. All the way back in Genesis chapter 6, the Lord talks about the human heart and he says, every thought of mankind is evil all the time. This is what he said back in Genesis. And without Jesus, that is the truth. But when Jesus came, he's trying to flip this. He's trying to say, listen, it starts in our hearts and it starts in our minds and I want you to renew your mind. I want you to change your heart. I want you to take a look a little bit deeper at what's going on if we're going to see true change and true transformation. He said things like, you heard it said long ago, if you murder someone, you're going to be subject to judgment. But I tell you, if you're angry with your brother, you're subject to judgment. Because what is he trying to do? He's trying to say, listen, it's the heart, it's the condition of our hearts that I want to be pure inside of you, that I want you to check because if your heart is not right, evil will come out in this world. He said, you've heard it before, you know, do not commit adultery, but I tell you, if you look at someone lustfully, you've committed adultery. What's he doing? He's he's focusing on our hearts. He says, you've heard it said, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, if someone smacks you on the cheek, turn the other cheek. This was bizarre teaching. What is he trying to do? He's trying to get us to examine our own hearts. And it's hard to do. Especially in a time like this, when Jesus himself said, love your neighbor You've heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. You know how hard that is for me to do right now if I'm honest? I want justice to prevail. And I think it's okay to want that. But we've got to be careful that wanting justice and wanting to do what's right doesn't create hatred in our heart. We've got to keep our hearts in check because if we don't, we become just like the worst out there. This is a heart issue that's going on right now. This is people who have justified murder and torturous acts in the name of God, in the name of religion, in the name of racial war. Our hearts, it starts here. It always has been that way. I want to share with you a portion of scripture found in Mark chapter 7, verse 1 through 5. 
Jesus' disciples around and the Pharisees came up to them and this is what it says. The Pharisees and some of the teachers of the law who had come from Jerusalem gathered around Jesus and saw some of his disciples eating food with hands that were defiled, that is unwashed. The Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they give their hands a ceremonial washing, holding to the tradition of the elders. When they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash, and they observe many other traditions, such as the washing of cups, pitchers, and kettles. So the Pharisees and teachers of the law asked Jesus, why don't your disciples live according to the tradition of the elders instead of eating their food with defiled hands? Now, in this situation, the Pharisees aren't germaphobes. They're not trying to prevent virus. To them, clean hands set the table for a clean heart and allowed you to go into uh, the temple and worship God without anything holding you back. To them, it was all what was on the outside. If, If everything on my outside appeared to be clean, then I was clean before God and could enter in to his temple and worship him. But they also played judge and jury for every single person around them. Why don't they wash their hands? They're going to go into the temple after this. They're going to be unclean before God. They're not good enough to go into the temple and worship God. And what happened was the Pharisees were really good at building these walls around what their tradition was and what they believed to be true. And they would protect the outside of these walls, but they never examined what happened inside. And I believe that's what's got us into trouble is so many people in their heart, they've justified evil, they've justified things, they've built a wall around their own tradition, their own values, what they believe to be true, and they do not let anything or anyone come in and penetrate their heart and allow it to soften. And this religion is a lie, this part of religion is a lie from the enemy designed to keep us hateful, designed to keep dissension among us, for us to point fingers at each other and say, you're not good enough for God, you're not good enough for God, you're not good enough to worship, you're not good enough to worship, and Jesus comes on the scene and says, none of us are. It's only through me that you can purify your heart and be in right standing before God. And if we would just allow the Lord all over the world to have access to our heart, to move past our own ideas of who we think God is or who we've been taught it to be, if we allowed him and his word to get into our hearts, things would change. And that's my hope. I do have hope for change. I really do. I think it's interesting in this passage of Scripture, why do you think the, or the disciples didn't wash their hands? Think about it. If it's the tradition that all the elders go in, they wash their hands before they eat, why did Jesus say, you guys don't do that right now? I believe he said that to his disciples 
because he didn't want them forming the habits of these Pharisees. He wanted them to have a different view of God and a different view of what it means to be right with God, and he wanted them to look towards their heart. This is why he says this in Mark 7, 6 through 8. Jesus replied, he said, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. Hypocrites, as it is written, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. You have let go of the commandments of God and are holding on to human traditions. Jesus knew that there has been too much made about the outward appearance and what's happening outside. But what's important is our heart. And so many people are holding on to human tradition rather than what the Word of God teaches us or what the Spirit of the living God is trying to say to us. And if we allow that to come into our hearts, it would change all of us. Throughout the Bible, the word heart is used to refer to the core or essence of our being, our thoughts, our desires, where our values originate. That's our heart. That's why Solomon said, above all else, guard your heart, for it's the wellspring of life. God wants our hearts. In Mark 7, right before I get to that, I, I just want to speak to this for a minute because if I'm honest, this message is for me. Like, I'm concerned with my own heart. I hate injustice. Ever since I was a little kid, I have hated injustice. When I see someone being wronged, I want to stand up for them. In fact, I remember my freshman year of high school, my buddy and I were at a basketball game, and he was sitting next to a girl, and this girl liked him. And there was a guy two rows behind us who liked this girl, and of course, you know, you got the teenage drama happening at the time. He liked this girl, and he kept hurling insults and crude words down at my friend, trying to make him look stupid in front of this girl. And I took it, and I took it, and I didn't say anything. And my friend, he was just an artistic kind of guy, saw the world differently. He wasn't going to say anything. And finally, I had enough. And I turned around, and I told him, shut your mouth. And he said, well, let's go to the bathroom and find out who, who wins this fight. Long story short, we ended up in the bathroom. <laughs> My friend didn't even come watch. He was still over there <laughs> with the girl. I'm by myself now in this fight. And I remember this kid turned around and punched me square in my face. One of the first times I got hit hard. And I got a couple punches in, and because he had braces, it looked like I'd won the fight because he was bleeding, but I really didn't. But it was, and I'm not condoning violence, it was my inability 
to sit back and watch someone insult, bully someone else. I can't do it. I hate that. And if I'm honest right now, I hate what's going on. And it's very difficult for me to not let hatred fester right now. To go from, yeah, I want to see justice, but I want all of them wiped off the face of the earth and them to die in horrific ways. Can I just say that and be real for you for a minute? I fight that. I'm fighting this, this hatred inside. And I think it's important that we don't match hatred with hatred. That we figure this out. And Jesus said this. He, he, he called the whole crowd around in Mark chapter 7, 14. He says, everyone gather around. This is a teachable moment. And he gets to the crowd and he says, listen to me, everyone, and understand this. Nothing outside a person can defile them by going into them. Rather, it's what comes out of a person that defiles them. After he had left the crowd and entered the house, his disciples asked him about the, this parable. And he, and he says to his disciples, are you so dull? Yes. Don't you see that nothing that enters a person from the outside can defile them? For it doesn't go into their heart, but into their stomach and then out of their body. He went on, what comes out of a person is what defiles them. For it is from within, out of a person's heart, that evil thoughts come. Sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All these evils come from inside a person. That's why we spend so much time talking about the heart. And what happens as we go through life is trauma and pain and abuse. All of these things have a way of getting into our hearts and affecting our lives. And it creates evil desire within us. And the only way to change is to bring healing to the broken places of our soul and our hearts. It's the only way to change. And some of that is asking God to change us. Some of that is working with Christian therapists and people who specialize in inner healing. But whatever it is, our hearts got to get right. We got to get the junk out. We got to stop shoving it down because it's from there, it's from within that we respond with these heinous acts. And God wants our heart. God wants our heart. In Romans 10, 9 and 10, God gave us the blueprint for salvation. He says this, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. It's with your heart that you believe and are justified. It's with your mouth that you profess your faith and you're saved. This is the key to peace. This is the key 
to fixing a broken world? Is Jesus Christ allowing his grace and his power and his presence to get deep into our hearts and our soul where it breaks things up and changes it and transforms it and creates newness within us. The heart matters. And the heart has always mattered to God. It's always mattered to God. When God told Samuel to go to Jesse's house and anoint the next king of Israel, Samuel walked into Jesse's house and he saw all of these men, bodybuilder type looking men, tall, handsome, strong. And Samuel said, surely one of these is the next king. And God says this in 1 Samuel 16, 7, he says, but the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height for I've rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things man looks at. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. The heart has always been the most important thing to God when it comes to individuals. That's why he provided grace for us because he knew our behaviors would always be a little bit off. We would never get to a point where we could constantly do the right thing all the time. But he knew if he got our hearts right, that we wouldn't be perfect, but we'd always turn towards him and want to do the right thing. That's what it was said about David, a man after God's own heart. David didn't always do the right thing, but he had the right heart. He had a heart for God. He had a heart for people. He had a heart for brokenness in the world. And David sinned. David made huge mistakes. But when he did, this is what he said in Psalm 51, 10. He said, create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. That's my call to you today. Is to ask the Lord to create in you a pure heart. That we wouldn't match evil with evil. Hatred and hatred. But... Out of a pure place, God would lead us and guide us and show us what to do, how to respond, how to act, how to live, how to talk about this. I also want to pray for the evil that's in the heart of people that can murder and kidnap innocent people. What is in that heart? How bad has it gotten where that kind of behavior is justifiable in their minds? I want to come against the lie of the enemy because that's what they're believing. It's not true. So would you stand with me this morning? Church, it's not time to be afraid. It's not time to fear. I want to tell you something. The world needs us right now. They need us. These are moments 
where God's people can shine because we do things differently, we think differently, we have transformed hearts and minds and spirits and we seek God and he gives us wisdom and insight onto what to do and how to do it. The world needs us. There's darkness, but there's a light that can shine when the darkness is strong. When it's dark, but little lights start coming up everywhere. Hope grows. Light grows. And we're going to believe for hope. We're going to pray for peace. We're going to believe that God has a plan and he's executing that plan and he's going to do what none of us can do. So I want to sing this song we just ended the service with, the worship set with. I love this song because it talks about how only God can do certain things. When you come in the room, you do what only you can do. You change us. No one else can change a heart like Jesus. We need God's presence more than anything. We need his presence to change and transform hearts around the globe right now. So Father, we just, we thank you, Lord. And I know there's been times throughout history that you've allowed this kind of thing to happen all over the world. We're praying, Lord, that you would intervene, that you would bring peace. We pray for the innocent that are over there. We pray for protection, Lord. We pray you would guard our hearts from hatred. But you would also show us how to respond, how to use us, how to use our voice and our heart in these moments to bring clarity and grace into these situations. In Jesus' name, amen. Dear Heavenly Father, I just pray for our hearts. Pray for the hearts of men and women across the globe, Lord. We need you, Lord. We don't need another opinion. We don't need another voice. We need you. We need you. We're desperate for you, God. We're desperate for you to do something only you can do. And as Phil prayed earlier, Lord, I just want to reiterate, Father, I pray for the people who actually have the power to change what's going on for your wisdom. I pray for world leaders right now for your wisdom, not their wisdom, your wisdom. To you to intervene, Lord. To you to surround them with men and women of God who can help them, who can guide them. to intervene supernaturally in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going we're gonna to formally dismiss the service, but I can just tell it's on some people's hearts. I'm just sensing it myself. If you want to stay and pray a little bit up at this altar, just pray for what's happening in the world. If you're having a, an issue with your own heart and your own feelings, if, if you want prayer, we're just going to let the, the altars be open if you want to spend a little extra time in prayer. Other than that, God bless you guys as you go. Have a great, great week. Pray this week.